0: Comrades, it's episode 256 of this machine kills i'm jathan joined by ed and producer jeremy is uh is is out sick for the day so we, we're, send, we're sending them our best you know it's uh, a damn uh summer pneumonia really gets you sometimes but um you know jeremy's here in spirit he's here after the fact uh producing this making it sound real pretty. So um but we are happy to be back with y'all. Um I think a number of things on our docket to talk about. But first up, uh as as I love to be able to do, I just want to give a shout out to something new and exciting that came across my my timeline that uh I'm 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 eager to see exist and eager to dig into. There's a a, a brand new um magazine out called Hammer and Hope it calls it. It's a magazine of black politics and culture, and uh, from a very radical perspective. Um, in fact, the uh, the name, as an essay in the first issue explains, is derived from um, a, uh, a a book by the historian, Robin D, Robin D. G. Kelly called Hammer and Ho, Alabama Communist during the Great Depression. So this, uh, you know, uh, there's an essay by Robin Kelly, uh, in the issue kind of explaining the, the name Hammer and Hope, the kind of the radical movements and ideas and people, uh, that motivated and are motivating this magazine and man reading it really just, just raising up all the best feelings in me. I feel like it's going to be such a, a, a good fucking magazine, really something necessary um that, that, you know, does something that uh, uh has been something I've been really both bothered by seeing as a tendency on the left um, and really uh, disheartened by, but also, but, but now, but, you know, really also heartened by seeing it countered in this, uh, in this piece. I just want to quote, actually, a paragraph from Robin Kelly's um, essay on uh, why we are called Hammer and Hope. He writes, quote, The political lessons I took from these courageous folks who risked their lives to bring revolution to Dixie reflect many of the core principles behind Hammer and Hope and the movements that inspired it. Black communists taught me that we need not choose between anti-racism and class solidarity. They are not mutually exclusive, but rather mutually constitutive. The same holds true for the fights against all forms of oppression, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, and ableism. The black communist of Alabama also taught me that local struggles exist in a global context. The forces arrayed against us are no respecters of nations, and the same ought to be held true of our movements. Man, I I was pumping my fist the whole time when I first read that because that is dead on. That is so fucking right. It's succinct. It's to the point. It nails it exactly. And it is also just a strong anecdote, a strong counter to a tendency I see so much now on the left of People really focusing on creating divisions between, you know, class politics and identity politics as they are often kind of vulgarly uh, reduced to um, focusing on punching left, on, uh, you know, hammering wedges into cracks in the left and prying them open. Um, And it's really, uh, it's not only... Uh, you know, strategically destructive. It's also analytically wrong uh, and and uh, and ignorant um, uh, of the actual history and origins of these kind of, of these radical movements, which always were joined together, never uh, never separated. So I don't know. I, I'm just I'm excited to to dig into the rest of this um, big issue that they've released and uh, and and see more to come.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's going to be really exciting. I mean, there's a lot of thought here. I think, you know, Black communism is really good. Reminds me of War Mag, which was, you know, um, Black anarchism, if I remember correctly. These sorts of projects are very, very important. There's a lot of, like, really exciting people associated with it. You know, Robin, uh, Robin uh, D.G. Kelly uh, writes the, um, you know, one of the introductory um issues um and 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 his essay the one that you from which you quoted from is like a really good explanation of like what the purpose of it is and what it's going and you know why it's going to be You know what the name is about. What is the what is the intention behind it? What are some of the ideas that it might be exploring? So it's like a really interesting story opening up with um, you know, or at least like weaving back with like the you know the growth of his own Marxism, right? So I think um, this is a publication I'm really excited for. I want to. I hope everybody reads it, subscribes to it, checks it out, stays uh, paying attention to it as they as like subsequent issues come out.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like it's gonna be a. Um, a, a good source for us as well that we'll, we'll return to and and discuss and absolutely have, I'm sure, authors on. Uh, in fact, you know, uh, one of the um, editorial advisors for the magazine is friend of the show, Astra Taylor. Um, and so we we already got some connections uh, with the magazine, you know, um, and there's just like really really great people involved in it. The uh, um, you know co-founders are Jen Parker and Kianga Yamada Taylor. Um, and so always happy to be able to direct folks' attention to new and exciting projects on the left, um, especially ones that really aim to fill. Um, gaps that are, 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 you know, important and, and need to be addressed. So, with that, I don't know. Well, uh, where, where do we, where do we want to jump? Where do we want to jump? You want, you want to talk about the, the, the new, um, uh, collection, the kind of Frankensteinian, uh, blob of, of ideologies that are taking over <laughs> the, the tech sector right now? <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, I think, um, Tess, uh, we could talk about the piece about Tesseralism, tessoral, right? Because I think that, um, I think this is like an idea that Tim Nick and, and, you know, Emil Torres have been hitting on. Um, and it was really exciting to see, um, to see this, um, you know, referenced in a column in the New York, uh, in, not the New York Times. It was really exciting to see these uh, referenced in a column in the Financial Times. Uh, a column came out yesterday, um, written by Anjana Ahuja, and you know, it's, it's titled "We Need to Examine the Beliefs of Today's Technoluminaries. The futuristic philosophies favored by AI's most prominent supporters ignore the issues we should be grappling with, and it hits on and kind of centers on this this bundle of terms called Tesseral, um, and, and this comes from a paper that's being co-written, I believe, by, by Timnit and um, Emile. that is not out right now, but it explores this idea of Tesseral ideologies of AI that are like, you know, dangerous, or the real existential risk to humanity, and it's, you know, a catch-all acronym that's short for transhumanism, extrop- uh, extropism, a singularitarianism cosmism rationalism effective altruism and long-termism you know in this column right i think that the author also does a really good job of like you know i I think a lot of people in tech you know like for example mark Andreessen has like tried to you know reclaim the term as like a positive thing saying yes i am a tesseralist right Yeah, he's got it on
0: his in his twitter bio now (laughs) yeah fucking not which um, also just shows these people are too fucking online yeah like yeah. like you can't why 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 are you a billionaire Still posting, still so heavily involved in Twitter discourse that you would put something like uh, list in your Twitter bio, um, f- which is derived from a unpublished paper by Tim Nijabrew and Emil Torres, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, like that just means that he's paying entirely too much attention to the timeline.
1: Oh yes, without a doubt.
0: It's the real mind virus, you know, Tr- yo, Yuval, Tristan, Aza, you know, they they talk about, you know, the kind of neuro-linguistic programming mind virus of AI, um, but but we got to talk about the mind, we, we need to talk about the real neuro-linguistic programming mind virus of posting.
1: Right. I mean, that, yeah, that's one part of it. That could be an extra acrony- ac- acronym. We can put a P in there somewhere, right? And, you know, for people who are listening and may not be familiar with all these, you know, we can go through each of them because I think it's also it's important to get a sense of, like, you know, what each of these you know, ideologies are because they all are tied up in very much so in the shape and form of what people are told the future is, what people strive for the future to be, what tools are designed, what ideas are promoted, and what f- visions are abandoned right you know transhumanism of course this idea that we need to radically transcend the confines of human of human exi- you know experience and existence a biological form uh, specifically right well, how can we augment it how can how can we you know transcend it how can we create you know uh, augments for our intelligence how can we create forms to uh, cheat death how can we create uh ways of thinking or, or neural structures of thinking that not only augments but go on beyond what humans might be capable of thinking so on and so
0: forth i, I got i got something for that i want to let's talk about each let's explain each one but let's also give some examples of each one too i mm-hmm. think are, are mm-hmm. helpful and, then, and when you mentioned transhumanism First thing that comes to my mind is uh, this, tw- this fucking psycho tweet from uh, Jan Lacoon, who's the chief AI scientist at Meta and uh, an NYU professor. Say? What um, did he say? He said, our neocortex is entirely controlled by our lizard brain. Our future superhuman exocortex will be controlled by our neocortex. We can design AI to have superhuman intelligence and be submissive. For an entity to control another, it has to want to take control.
1: <laughs> These people... Well, no pussy does to a motherfucker. psycho. This is what happens when you read too much... Dune. Okay, folks? <laughs> this is what fucking happens, all right? This is also what happens when you read... Listen, I love hard sci-fi. Hard sci-fi is very fascinating to me. One, because um, a big nerd love, love, uh, love when people make magic systems out of a barely plausible... Um, uh you know building blocks of reality, right? You wanna come up with some bullshit explanation on how faster than, life tra- faster than light trap faster light travels possible? Go right ahead. You wanna come up with some way to explain how you can create like some sort of uh pico technology where you're fucking with the with plank foam uh, as a way to communicate faster than life? Do it. Go go ahead. It's not real. These people say but, you know they read that shit and it's an instruction manual for them it's a challenge right it's a it's a bar that needs to be hopped over instead of like stepping back and realizing the form of science fiction the whole point of it is to is to hold a mirror back and look at what we're doing right now all the all the tech all the bullshit tech about how we create a civilization where you can, you can hold the computational equivalent of like an entire, uh, Jupiter sized body of, of computable matter in the back of your head because we figured out how to engineer atoms that can hold, uh, even more neural information or uh, every atom or every molecule, you know, and every subatomic particle holds more information than might be naturally possible. These are not goals. You know, these are these are settings. This is window dressing for us to explore things about humanity. And these I, and these people just don't care. They're more obsessed. They're obsessed with the shinies and the toys and the tools, which is also pretty dangerous, too, because then they, because then they really should not be trusted to think about philosophical things and social issues.
0: It's all sci fi as well, in the sense that like their their understandings of all this shit is so wrong uh like you know as so many people were pointing out um to 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 my quote tweet of this um to his actual tweet like that this is also like just not how yeah. <laughs> neuroscience this is not accurate or conforming to uh neuroscience um in any way except for like, it it what it is is it's based on a uh like a Malcolm Gladwell airport book idea yeah. of what yes. neuroscience is which is that like you have a lizard brain and on top of that lizard brain is a uh, uh, uh is a rabbit brain and on top of the rabbit <laughs> brain is a is a is a monkey brain and, and i think you so know, stupid. Like, you it's are so stupid <laughs>
1: i've read so many books that are like this where the smartest among them used the animal evolutionary hierarchy or this idea of each layer of the brain coming from a different evolutionary tract of our history before we reach humanity in a metaphor where also subsequent in a different future in a a far-flung future humanity had to had created a situation where we uplifted the intelligence of all animals and so animals are thinking at the level of humans and then humans have to design a society where animals that are predators and prey can live amongst one another, even though they're all intelligent, right? But the thing in that story is that's still not trying to be like, well, let's make this happen. It's still commentary, right? <laughs> on, on on how, on designing societies, right? It's supposed to be an exploration and a commentary of designing societies. But again, but even there, it's like these people, these. These people are idiots. I just—they don't understand metaphors. They don't understand rough analogies, and they also just don't even understand reality. Right? It, it fills me with such—I'm totally not worried about the fact that the guy who runs AI, at the mo- one of the most powerful companies in the world, that is sh- actively shaping the direction of the development of our technology, uh, thinks that we that the human mind is a bunch of animals stacked up on top of each other (laughs) in increasingly larger sizes. And then a man, a small, tiny man, you know, whispering like a mouse at the very top of all of it. That I feel good. About knowing that that's what that guy thinks the human mind works like,
0: mm-hmm. and then thing and then uses that as a way to say psycho shit. Like, <gasps> if one entity wants to control another, they want to. They have to want to take control. You yeah, can man. be superhuman and submissive, like bro. Yeah, you got some shit. You need to work out, and you need to go work that <laughs> out, like on like on your own, with like an arm, like a team of therapists. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know,
1: I mean, this is. All- This is also really funny because it kind of reminds me also of like, have you ever read the book of What Technology Wants?
0: All yeah, right, that's right. Kevin Kelly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's
1: like that stupid <laughs> idea that there there are these discrete objects like technology and the mind, and they want things, and they need yeah. things, and they have a direction that they have to go in, um, and we can't do anything about it. We just have to design nice little guardrails and that take into account all of this.
0: Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. I mean, at all. this actually goes in beautifully to the next uh, part of the Tesseral acronym because mm-hmm. if, if you remember in Kevin Kelly's book, it like he spends a long fucking time developing this uh, theory of uh, he spends a long time developing this theory of what he calls technium. Which is this like, like, like he has this like extremely like mystic uh, kind of idea of technology, and he created a like a literal mystical force that exists in the universe called Technium. Um, You know, he's (laughs) he's still writing about it too. I mean, he hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this to you. Props to him for trying to <laughs> to keep the cult going. <laughs> you know, if you got if you go and try to create your own like techno techno cult religion, fucking Fallout style. You get that's you got to put the ten thousand hours into blogging about it. <laughs> like my man would absolutely love to be. Uh, the 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 head of a Fallout cult um, called the the Technium or something like that. It's I, I <laughs> uh, think but that, that goes directly. That's it like goes a cult directly
1: in, into Destiny video game, man.
0: Absolutely, or a fucking like Deus Ex or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're the ones. <laughs> yeah, but it goes directly. I think that goes directly into the next part of the test rule uh, acronym, which is extropianism or, um, the, uh, the belief that science and technology will bring about indefinite lifespan. So it's all this, you know, wacky shit about like, you know, uploading your brain, you know, it's the fucking, um, Johnny Depp transcendence movie. (laughs) Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: (laughs) Don't worry. If someone
1: shoots you with a polonium bullet, you'll still be able to live in the cloud forever.
0: That's right. Upload you into the, uh, into the cloud, um, freeze your, your, your head, um, pump you full of, what is it? Ray Kurzweil takes, like, fucking 100 different vitamins and supplements every day. He has this, like, you know, hyper-tailored, it's gonna be uh, funny like, when I live biogenetic cocktail. I smoke <laughs> no. cigarettes every
1: day. I eat red meat all the fucking time. I'm going to live longer than Ray Kurzweil. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, <laughs> and we're going to get the Ray Kurzweil very shortly in this uh, Tessero acronym. So we'll, we'll leave him aside. Um, but like, it's also all the, uh, shit that like, you know, Peter Till is obsessed with living forever, you know, his, uh, 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 alleged, um, many, many people who are not us have alleged, uh, that Peter Till has blood boys, um, and regular tra- transfusions of young right. blood. Um, We've never and said it. And this is part of the extropianism this you know wanting to have an indefinite lifespan um live forever uh you know be fucking immortal you know these these motherfuckers watched uh, true blood and were like <laughs> damn <laughs> vampires can live for thousands and thousands of years that sounds dope. i mean it's really funny because it's like
1: a major plot point and um and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, every one of them are just uh, Dio, who's this really shitty kid that gets brought in uh to a family in Britain, a wealthy family. And he befriends them and he tries to kill them all. And then he steals the body of the dude. And then he steals the and 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 like fights with the bloodline of the descendants of the dude whose body he stole. And then he tries to craft a plan where he ends up becoming God. And then they're all you know these weird powers that are extensions of your personality. But I just finished re-watching Stone Ocean, which is JoJo's part six where they're trying to break out of a prison in Florida. And there's um, maybe I'll write something about this. Cause it's really, it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's hard to explain coherently because then I have to explain a really weird part of it. But there's a lot of there's a lot of threads I see now that I've re- rewatched it. You know, one of the main villains is this priest who believes that he can transcend God, but also is divined by God to get this power over humanity that will let every lead everybody to happiness. Um, uh, by you know, getting us all to the end point of history, the singularity of time. There's t- attempts to live forever and rule over everybody as gods. There's these weird augmentations of human abilities called stands, which are manifestations of your deepest dreams and desires and fears and neuroses. Um, that kind of remind me of like weird little. Uh, I guess like cyborg avatars, you know, they, but which they all kind of look like they all look very, they're very angular, weirdly robotic. Um, uh, but all to say, um, all to say Jojo's, uh, is anti test propaganda. That's my, that's my, uh, that's my take. That's my short take. I'll write a blog about it. One
0: hey man, day. the you the 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 author is dead. You can't tell me what that show says in my <laughs> yeah, in, in right. my perspective. Oh my no uh, Chojo's Bizarre Adventure <laughs> is is um, what I have based my entire life philosophy and work around. Is <laughs> my greatest uh,
1: nightmare would be people <laughs> taking sci-fi right and being like, no, yeah, he's down with it. He's down with the singularity. He fucking loves Tesseract. No, I don't i'm gonna bury you guys in
0: concrete <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want it <laughs> but yeah man, like it's so so that that's extropianism um i mean it's also yeah it, it is uh, it's all the people who don't deserve to even live right now who <laughs> who want to go on to live forever yeah um yeah, that, that's just the way of things and it's their and, God-given
1: right. I mean, you know if you destroy a planet and exhaust all of its resources and undermine its ecological niche and disintegrate its its various political structures and you know, economic organizations so that you can live forever you earn that. you earn that. That's blood that's and true. treasure
0: hmm uh-huh. you, you uh you know and then you must go on and do it to another world, right? And right. how are you gonna do that if you don't <laughs> <Right>. live forever?
1: <laughs> it's not colonialism if it's in space, right? I think a lot of people don't understand this. Okay, <laughs> hey, we'll get Something to cosmic. <laughs> we'll we'll get to cosmism.
0: <laughs> but first let's get to uh uh to, singulitarianism. Oh, yeah, singulitarianism. This is, that's right. So this is the one. <laughs> <laughs> the the idea that uh, an artificial superintelligence will eventually surpass human intelligence uh and do so at a at an exponential right the, right you know the single the singularity is that point um, and from there it's the the curve in the hockey stick graph of a universal intelligence where it just fucking you know booms upward vertically from there that's that's the idea it's all and that it has always been around the corner it's all yeah. it's 10 it's 10 years away for the last 50 years
1: <laughs> yeah don't look at the fact that 90% of my predictions are wrong look at the 10 that are may or may not be right Are kind of right Yeah I I, I love it Nostradamus ass motherfucker (laughs) You know It's like coding uh, Like the Tower of Babel And then The idea that we're going to Code the Tower of Babel And then we're going to Get to the top floor And God's going to be there Waiting for us already And he's going to get Very very mad And we have no Or is happy We actually don't know What he's going to do When we get to that floor
0: you know God is just the uh <laughs> the TLDR meme, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy for y'all or sad, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> um, it's, re- it's really interesting because Singulitarianism has a lot of it, there's a, it has a really fascinating intellectual history, there's roots in like really weird uh Catholic and uh yeah, really weird Jesuit. Uh, theorists, uh, Tihar de Chardin, and this idea that God is waiting for us at the end of history. And so, like, you know, God is this omega point and the singularity, which marks the end of the development of humanities and, and, and the and the universe's spirit. I'm butchering it, but this is a very simplistic explanation. Uh, and, and so, by ushering in or cultivating or building something that may become God. We are helping God realize itself so it can go back and exist throughout all of time, blah, 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 something like that. Right. So it's weirdly influenced by weird Catholic theories, attempts to sort through thoughts about technology and acceleration of it, as well as like, uh, Ray Carswell, who, you know, um, uh, is adamant, I think he's he's like an he's director of engineering at Google or something, and he runs their uh, their life extension uh, department. And he is adamant on this idea that what is it twenty forty five? Um, there will be a point at which the growth of uh, artificial intelligence will be unpredictable because it will be a singularity. So you know, similar to how light passed an event horizon in a black hole. Um, What happens past the event horizon of a black hole is unobservable to people outside of the frame of reference, but there's still stuff going on there. Nonetheless, Um, you know, we will not be able to understand, you know, intelligences on the other side of this event horizon. You know, it'll be like a mouse trying to understand what humans are doing at the top of Mount Everest or some bullshit. Right. Um, And so we need to accept that and figure out how to harness that so that we can you know enjoy that and exploit that uh, and thrive with that right and also singularitarianism also comes with this weird like insistence that there is a march towards certain technological checkpoints right Moore's law is going to carry us through like the certain years of computation we're going to have autonomous agents and autonomous vehicles that are going to emerge at certain points we're going to have you know the uh, certain industry certain types of industry certain types of creative work displaced by artificial intelligence we're going to have um, you know, much more extravagant technological uh, creations like flying vehicles, right? Or more exotic ones like, you know, breakthrough life extension technologies, you know? So kind of packaging up the stuff in before, but saying, hey, look, this is inevitable on the March to 2045, where at which point we're going to meet God and we can't predict what's going to happen after we meet God, right?
0: Hmm this all reminds me i mean like literally we are going to we are going to meet god um and 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 slay him uh, and and replace him and sit on his throne um uh, but like literally <laughs> it's not I, you know we talked about like the mysticism of like technium and stuff but like there is an extreme mysticism uh element to all of this it makes me think of um, and it, it, it and it has its like most absurd instantiations and in all the stuff that you were just talking about and all the figures like Ray Kurzweil or Kevin Kelly, who have been around for a very long time. You know, it you know lar- like really big since the '80s and '90s, um, and and they like really kind of lean heavily into the most uh, kind of absurd like explicitly absurd aspects of this, but they are really just more like um a, a kind of cranked up version of what is ultimately believed by a lot of people in a more kind of simmering and 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 at least outwardly sober way. And it reminds me of an extremely good uh art uh, journal article in, um, American Quarterly, uh, which is the journal of, uh, the American Studies Association, um, by Joel Dienerstein, uh, called Technology and Its Discontents on the Verge of the Post Human. Um, and this, this article is from almost 20 years ago, but it's still so fucking relevant and really, uh, just nails the, cri- the, the criticism. Um, of all of this post human, transhuman singularity, uh, kind of you know bullshit, right? And um, uh, I want to just quote from uh, the piece a little bit where he writes, uh, quote, Technology is the American theology. For Americans, it is not the Christian God, but technology that structures the American sense of power and revenge. The nation's abstract sense of well-being, its arrogant sense of superiority, and its righteous justification for global dominance. He then goes on to say, quote, once the future replaced heaven as the zone of perfectibility as powered by technology, quote unquote progress began to function as a religious myth that substituted a sacralized temporal zone, the future for a sacred spatial one, heaven. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and I think that's exactly right, except it's also wrong in one sense. Um, technology is, is absolutely a like a, a theology and a very American theology, but it did not supplant the other theology of uh, kind of millenary, like millenarianism. I can never say that word right, but the kind of you know the the um, the extremely uh, evangelical kind of you know um, you know end of the world. Uh, theology, which also exists in a really, um, you know, in in a side by side relationship with the theology of technology, right? Like, I I don't think we can understand test realism as a whole. Without one understanding it as a theology, but also understanding it in relation to American evangelicalism, um, it, it is a different version. It's a different kind of that theology, and it holds a lot of the same um, ultimate motivations and beliefs, just as uh, uh, Joel Dienerstein, um, uh kind of you know lays out that it. it it is just a substitution uh, uh, almost a one for one substitution of a lot of those beliefs right instead of heaven it's the future um but ultimately progress leads to both things and ultimately the goal of you if whether you are a theist or an evangelical um evangelist uh, evangelist um is to amanitize the eschaton right to uh bring about the end days the end of the world because you know you will be one of the chosen. You will be raptured to heaven, raptured into the future, raptured into whether it's God's kingdom or God's servers. You will be raptured into it, right? Um, And leaving behind all of the uh, non-believers. And I mean... This is like that language of non-believers is literally the kind is the way that uh um people like Mark Andreessen and the more like absurd uh fucking and most powerful and influential people in Silicon Valley talk about people like us, you know, people who are critics of this, skeptics. Um they talk about us as non-believers, you know? Um and uh uh it, it like I just feel like this this uh really good article from nearly 20 years ago is more relevant than ever. Perhaps the only thing that is a, a bit outdated is 20 years ago, the thing everybody was really cons- either concerned or exuberant about was um, the suite of technologies known as GNR, genetics, nanotechnology, and robotics. Genetics and nanotechnology and robotics are a little outdated now. Nobody really talks about genetics, although there was just a big breakthrough in them, um, in the human genome um, mapping. But, and nanotechnology is like so 10 years ago. Um, but and robotics is just like, I don't know, fucking like Eric Adams with a, a fucking robo dog, you know, that's what that looks like. Um, so, but, but ultimately, just because the suite of technologies has changed, the ideas have, um, remained the same. The ideologies behind them have remained the same. And, uh, the, the, the ultimately the, the fact that, you know, these, te- this, these technologies are a uniquely American theology, just as ev- uh, evangelicalism is a uniquely American theology.
1: It's a beautiful theology. I mean, where else can you get a death cult reformulated as a liberatory machine that will save all of us so long as we just lay down nicely on the road and get crushed by it?
0: You mm-hmm. know, and, and a liberatory machine that is like created from and for and in service of capital and capitalism as well like I, I don't think we can overstate how um much this like unique americanism of these two theologies of technology and uh or, or rather of tesseralism and as of uh, evangelicalism are ultimately both theologies of capital yeah.
1: So then, this leads us to what our next one, right? Uh, is this is cosmism, right? And now, cosmism is a very fascinating one because cosmism is, um, you know, has also murky roots. Uh, they go back to kind of like early Russian space, a, or, you know, or, you know, dreams about space age and then the space age as, uh, as well as, um, I always mispronounce his name, Bognadov, I believe his name was, and it's this early Russian, you know, uh, uh, doctor scientist researcher focused on blood transfusions and this idea that you could use them to you know extend your lifespan which you know of course would come back to us in the form of Silicon Valley creating these like you know uh, allegedly creating uh, vampiric uh, startups and blood boys for um, uh, billionaires to you know keep young right and so Cosmism there's a lot of ideas at play there ideas about you um, Bringing everyone who has ever lived back to life, and turning the cosmos into a playpen for them, right? Um, ideas I, I, I about. I don't think
0: I've ever heard that part of cosmism of bringing oh, yeah. everyone back to life.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 the, yeah. I was. Um, I have a friend who's really into necromancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um. Yeah, a friend of mine he's really into uh cosmism. a few friends of mine actually are really into cosmism. And it's and I've read a lot about it because I am it, it it's interesting. It's like one of the more um pre-Silicon Valley, it was one of the more benign forms of this futurism, right? This idea that you know, it's a shame that people die. And any future society that we build has to acknowledge that we have an obligation to the dead. And so we need to think about what sort of obligations we have to the dead, because there may come a day when we have the technology to bring them back to life. And then the question is, do you let these people walk around in society or do you segregate them into uh you know frozen in time periods or periods that slowly transition them into the present do you put them in the equivalent of like a museum you know but much more freer and extravagant or do you send them out into the stars right and it's with the rise of our lovely uh the fascists, the capitalists that um the vision slowly begins to start coming as like a, as a as a, as an idea about mounting our you know humanity's flag and footprint on other planetary and celestial bodies, right, and this idea that. This earth is our cradle, and cosmism being, and slowly shifting, it feels like, to this idea that we're in an infancy period, and it's no longer about what we're gonna do if we're uplifting the dead, or what we're gonna do if we're gonna like, you know, bring back the dead and like make a new society, and what our obligation to them is, it becomes what are our obligations to our future selves, right? And you can start to see some of these seeds of like, you know, the uh you know, the batshit effect of altruism ideas, right? What sort of if we are in our infancy and we know we'll be infinitely better, then we should stamp out to and and go to each star and each planet and 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 plant our flag there um and in fact we have a more imperative to do it right we have to figure out what kind of uh structures will let us do it faster we have to figure out what advances will let us get there we have to figure out what sort of social arrangements and political arrangements and economic arrangements will get us there faster right so i feel like cosmism in the modern day iteration feels very much like a pre-configuration of effective altruism right Without the explicit utilitarianism, it's the like, it's the more of the like. Uh, here's a manifesto for the pioneers, you know. Like, imagine an Apple commercial. Like, here's to all the weirdos, but it's like to here's to, here's to all the space kids, you know. Here's to all the future adventurers yet to be born who are going to step out of the cradle of humanity into the into the cosmos where like we have we we have the mantle responsibility for. Like, we're in fucking Halo. Weird as shit, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> all I can, all I can think of is, uh, uh, I don't know, like, it. it, it this isn't either inspired by or it has inspired, or in the whole just fucking like Ouroboros of all this, it's simultaneously inspired and inspired by. Just like these, I can't, I can't remember what fucking, um, you know, space opera science fiction series it is, right? But you have got these like you know, ships of the dead that are just floating, you know, through space. And I mean, in a way it's kind of like dead space, (laughs) the video game, right? Maybe something like that, but yeah, it's like these ships of the dead, but also it's, it's a very like kind of like ravagers zombies kind of thing, right? Where it's like the, you know, you've got these necromatic kind of ships of the dead, um, but they're just floating around not like branching out and bringing the the beauty of humanity to the cosmos, um, but only in such a way that humanity has always brought its beauty to foreign lands, which is to um, uh, ravage them, expropriate them, um, to suck them dry of all life and resources. Um, and I feel like that's exactly what this is. Again, this is, you've got a uh, fucking, you know, People uh in, in Silicon Valley reading these tech these like you know explicitly dystopian science fiction stories, whether it's fucking snow crash or some, you know, space opera, uh, and 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 missing all of the it's not even subtext, missing the text and just importing uh new meaning onto it and being like. Damn, necromatic, like ships of the dead just fucking floating through space, uh, you know, ravaging all resources in life. Sign me up.
1: <laughs> oh. It's a bit of a nightmare, man. Because it's like also the inspiration here And a lot of these stories. I feel like a lot of people, especially like you said, they're missing the text. And also the context in which these things come up, right? I feel like a lot of these people, as we were saying at the top of the episode, you know, they're focusing on the shinies, on the glitzy parts, and losing sight of how, like, the things that might draw them to these stories—the punk heroes, the aesthetics, the you know, weird life or death struggles, or consequences of like warnings, or extended from warnings about how, like, if we allow private power. If we allow corporations, if we allow capitalism to continue to drive the development of what we build and what we think and how we live, and we also, like, it's going to infect every single thing. It's going to infect states. It's going to infect families. It's going to infect cities more than it already has, right? Um, And warp it into something ugly that will require weird, you know, logic defying, luck defying adventures to break out of. Which happens in almost all these stories, right? The only, a lot of these stories are also not just like forces of will from some weird punk individualism um, that lead to these weird visions of Ubermensch uh, in- inspiring a lot of these tech figures. But they're also like, you know, the protagonist just gets lucky a million times. And that's the mm-hmm. only reason why any, like he's able to break out of the tyranny of uh, the corporate state. Or the, or the state corporate or whatever the you know whatever inversion of it these people want to you know cling on to And instead, they just focus on like, oh, well, you know, the lesson of that story is like, you know, if you just hustle hard enough and you have enough grid and and shiny technologies and people who have the idea or the willingness to just like get up and do something, then it's going to be fine instead of like stepping back. And like you said, missing the text and the subtext to criticize some of the society and the warnings, the massive warnings, right, that are being made about it. And it also doesn't help that some of these authors, like someone like Neil Stephenson is someone who's like, you know, his book's have shifted all right yeah i I mean it's the the libertarian streak has always been there but you know as time has gone on and on and on like the books have kind of shifted into a more confused and direct uh buy-in to a lot of the political the very political threads that would build the dystopias in his early books right you know like in this um my God, what was the last book? I didn't I I don't even remember the fucking last book that he made about um about climate change and this like Texas billionaire that was trying to uh, yeah, do Yeah, we have
0: talked about it yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Termination shot. Yeah, Termination, right. Uh-huh. We, and we talked
1: about it and read it. And talked about how bad it was, right? And talked about how confused the politics ended up becoming. And, and 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 were and surprising from where you start with Snow Crash, but also not so surprising in terms of what was valorized, right, and and focused on as the right way to resist or the right way to uh, to uh, fight against resistance and what are the real tyrannies in, in our society. What are the real private tyrannies? Are they corporations? Sometimes are they the state? Almost always, right? You know, so yeah. um, it's like also it's like these, you know, these this muddled confusion, these sects, these these cults, these, these theologies um, build up one over another. And you can see if you're stepping back, like how dangerous this like bundle philosophies is. And we're still we're not even done with it. Yeah. <laughs> We're not even done with it.
0: I know. We we are we are not done. Um but yeah, I mean it's also Neil Stevenson's a great example of like being in like influenced and captured by the um the ter like you know you have all these people doing these really terrible readings of your of your book, but also those people have a lot of like money and power and influence. And so you just like like in a, you just kind of like back like backcast um their reading onto the book and then be like oh no that's what i believed the whole time here let me right. write another book to prove it to you right. uh you know, it, yeah yeah it, it's i mean it's also like so much of it as well is you know looking at things like star trek and being like when it like you know cosmism is very much a like what if we could do star trek but like Capitalist and not communist. Right, you right. Know? Really missing the point that the whole idea um, that, like, the only reason why, uh, like, this, you know, the enterprise exists, the only reason why they are able to do what they're doing, and the only reason why they are doing what they're doing is because of the uh, communist conditions that created um, the possibility for them doing that, right? Like uh, it, it misses the point, right? It, miss, it, 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 it because it is extremely libertarian. Um, it has this idea that like uh, conditions don't matter. Environments don't matter. Structures don't matter, right? That like you can do anything, um, as long as you are a like strong willed individual enough, it's extremely solipsistic in this way. It, you know, it, it, like, you know, you were talking before Ed about how, like, they also missed the point that, you know, they are drawn to these like plucky punk heroes, um, these cyber hackers and whatever, but missed the point that like, ultimately these heroes, uh, uh only are able to do what they're doing because of all of the plot armor that they're clad in right that like everything happens to go the right way for them. they get lucky things just fall in place right It's like plot armor on top of plot armor. but people like Mark Andreessen truly believe they have plot armor they uh-huh. they have like main character <laughs> right. syndrome. They right. think they have plot armor where things will just fall in place for them. Things will work out for them. And I mean, honestly, nothing about the world and their lives have give them any reason to believe otherwise. You know, like there is nothing about Mark Andreessen's life nothing about his career, nothing about the world he exists in and has built around him that would dissuade him of the notion that he is the, sing- the main character with plot armor, that he may actually be the only person who, who truly exists um, in the world. I mean, this is also one of the reasons why like they are drawn to this like simulation theory as well. It's a really fucking childish um, solipsism. I mean, that's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a damn, it's a damnation, a condemnation of the world that, It makes sense why they would believe that. That's that's an underlying part of all of this testoralism that we can't also get through. One, it's a theology, but two, it's also very much based in a, uh, a solipsistic main character syndrome, I have plot armor, everything works for me in my favor all the time. That, like, you have to believe that in order to believe any of this. Right. Which no, I think exactly. brings us to the next one very uh, nicely as well of rationalism. The conviction that reason should be the supreme guiding principle for humanity. I love these, like, little uh, capsule definitions of each of these because they do not actually encapsulate what that means in practice, right? right? Like yeah. rationalism. You can be like, uh, I just believe in reason and logic. Uh, I guess string me <laughs> up for believing in reason and logic. You know, it's like, uh, you know, yeah, it what, what does that look be... like in practice for There's you? There's a man. guy
1: who's, uh, been appearing on my TikTok algorithm. It's, and it's really hard to watch. Actually. It makes me, it makes every atom in my body cringe. And it's like this guy pretending to be a Redditor. Um, and he's like, you know, average redditor right who gets in just like stupid arguments trying to be witty to like people who are just serving him coffee or you know doing an order at a restaurant or um you know trying to do cash register at uh, a gas station and he's being pedantic and he's being you know needling about details and being an asshole you know, in the name of uh, clarity, truth, and reason, and that in because it just is a piece of shit. This is a piece of shit guy, and it's like an excuse to be an asshole, uh, to be pedantic, to uh, to needle about things, but also to obscure what is very much like not a normal way of interacting with one another. Right? There's usually the idea of like we are we need to be guided by rationalism has a few political ideas packaged into it and smuggled into it, right? Uh, Ideas about the need to quantify everything. Ideas about, like, introducing efficiency into everything. Ideas about what sort of social outcomes matter and don't matter. Ideas about what should be prioritized, about what should be pursued, where resources should be allocated. So it ends up not so much being rationalism as much as, like, let's quantify everything to achieve a certain political end that we desire, right? Right. And then we are going to make the value judgment about what the objective thing that's rational to pursue is. And in this case, it's like everything that supports like the, you know, the the Frankenstein monster of ideologies we've been going through, Um, you know, uh, um, indefinite expansion of life, but not really talking about for who, Um, augmentation of human uh, Biology, but not talking about to what end. You know, colonization of the stars, but not talking. Or sorry, spreading to the stars, but not talking about in what form. So it might be colonization, or it might just be like you know, warehousing uh, people in various places. Or maybe we make a penal colony here. Maybe we make like a computational warehouse here. You know, who know? Who knows? Who cares? They don't care, right? It, it, it's it's all these ideas where it's kind of presented as just like a neutral. Objective measure, but again, like a cover and a distraction from a political move, a political project, which as we talked about, is a a libertarian one, is a reactionary one, is a deeply exclusionary one, and often like a very violent one and, and, and dispossessive one.
0: Yeah. So it mistakes a methodology for morality, right? Like it's like, no, we just have a method. Our math, our method is rationalism, right? We apply the method of logic and reason to things. And, but in reality, it's a morality uh, about like, you know, and it's baked into this idea that uh, the supreme guiding principle uh, right. That's a moral judgment of, of, of when you are talking about those kinds of, you know, rankings and principles. And and but also if something is supreme, uh, that means it's superior, which means other things are inferior uh, and you are superior to the inferior things. And, and it's not hard to see how from those from that that uh, from from that logic, uh, it very quickly leads you to things like um well, uh, since rationalism is the supreme guiding principle, those who are rational are superior, and those who are irrational are inferior. I see myself as rational, which means I'm superior to um, other people, and, and I'm rational. Why? Why am I rational? I'm rational because I'm intelligent, which must mean that other people who are irrational are not intelligent. And, um, okay, well, why am I intelligent? Well, I'm intelligent because of the environment I grew up in, um, but also my, my biology um, yeah. yeah you know, the, like there are innate things to me that make me intelligent which make me innately superior which mean other people are innately inferior like it's not hard to see how that then leads you to and why the rationalist community is full of uh, um, skull measuring you know, freaks yeah exactly <laughs> uh, people like Charles Murray and you know like why it leads you to all of these yeah very reddit debates about intelligence and and IQ and um, race science—you <laughs> know—it's like. Listen, I'm not trying to say that the sub-Saharan populations are
1: dumber or inferior. I'm just saying that they score lower on the I- on intelligence quotient tests that have been developed in the United States as an objective measure of intelligence, and this suggests that we need to reallocate our resources in our society to to. To that deprioritize them and their propagation and the growth of their population, because you want to make the most intelligent population, so that when we go out into the stars and when we encounter God in the singularity, that we can all, uh, you know, go into the future on
0: our best foot. Rick, forward. Rick, Rick, are you back on the booze again? <laughs> Rick's doing one of his. <laughs> Grandpa Rick is doing one of his rants again. <laughs>
1: Right, right,
0: right. <laughs> yeah, we all
1: we all got a rash. You don't understand, just Morty. <laughs> just rants about skull sizes at the family reunion. We all know that guy, Uncle Rick. You don't Rick.
0: understand, Morty. They're irrational,
1: Morty. <laughs> Morty, Morty, Morty. Why? Why is only thirteen percent of the population do half the crime, Morty? Huh? That's something. That's something. I would bet you a lot of money. I'd bet you a lot of money. That if you took an archive, (laughs) if you took an archive of any rationalist forum and Googled FBI statistics, your computer would melt. Bro, <laughs>
0: your computer would melt. <laughs> if we made a Rick and Morty uh, meme of Rick saying that and then posted it, it would be T, mi- T minus no time until Elon Musk uh, copied it, cropped it, and posted it interesting. himself. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah it would reply. <laughs> it would reply interesting and then crop it and post it himself.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, So rationalists are really people who rationalize they're delusions. I think that's the better way to to understand them.
0: All right. Well, let's go on to uh, and you know the uh, a logical conclusion of rationalism is of uh, is of course being an effective altruist, right? And like, a long termist. And a long termist. Yeah, we're we're reaching an hour now. Um, yeah. Let's. <laughs> it's
1: kind of, we thought we were just gonna like kind of breeze through this short column and then get <laughs> to my clients list, and but we we hate these folks, people. <laughs> We hate them.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so. We are so fucking good at taking short columns and turning them into whole episodes Ooh. and uh, leaving a lot of other stuff. Being like, <laughs> all right, we're just going to get to this real quick before we get to the meat and potatoes of the episode. <laughs> right.
1: yeah, 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 yeah. There's a super cut out there of us saying that. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to get through this real quick and then we'll talk about what we really want to tell you guys. <laughs>
0: We are, uh, hey, we are at least consistent. (laughs) Right, right. we may or may not uh, get to uh, Naomi. Certainly not in this episode. I just mean <laughs> in, the, in the, at some point in the future. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, we may or may not get to Naomi Klein's uh, really, really great um, column in The Guardian um, on AI machines. Our AI machines aren't hallucinating, but their makers are. So I'll, I'm just putting a, a flag on that now for people to go read if you haven't read it yet, <laughs> um, in case we do or do not get to it in the future. Uh, it's a, it's a really good one. But um, yeah, I don't know. We, we, we've talked so much about effective altruism and long-termism, although like, we've talked a lot about it with fucking will mccaskill with uh uh sam bankman free with you know all of these fucking people who are who you know were the uh the the big figureheads some of them very poorly chosen apparently um for this (laughs) for this movement but like I, I I wanna pose I wanna ask you a question here, Ed, because I feel like effective altruism and long-termism, you know, like they, they definitely had their moment in the sun last year, um, where they were all the rage, right? And it's it's really hard to tell though, um, because of the way that like uh, attention cycles are you know are generated, right? Where like There's a ton of stuff written, a ton of attention given to a topic. It's the topic du jour. It becomes the biggest thing on everyone's mind for like a few months. Um, and then we move on to something else, right? Uh, and, and, and it becomes really difficult to tell, like, did it just die out or did it go underground? Right. And I don't really know. I cannot really tell what what is what when it comes to like effective altruism and long-termism, like obviously people like Mark Andreessen still believe in it and stuff. And like, but also like, this is not like new to them, right? Like this is something they have held on to. It's just a name for, it's a name for something that they have held on to for a long time, or it's a way for them to uh, talk about in more like public and polite ways. Like the, the, the beliefs that they have truly held on to for a long time, right? Um, uh, that they are more important and and whatever, right? Superior, et cetera. I, I, I want to ask you, what do you think? Do you think because effective altruism and long-termism kind of died out, especially after it was subjected to not only a lot of attention, but a lot of criticism, but then also kind of really blew up thanks to like, you know, people like Sam Bankman Fried being associated and stuff with it. Do you think it's kind of like on a on a, a, a waning moment, or do you think it's just kind of like gone underground? Yeah,
1: no, I think um, a, a little underground, but not exactly right. Because I think it's also important to note, effective altruism has existed existed for a long time before people like Sam Bankman Fried got into the movement. There was effective, there was the effective altruism. There was you know these this altruism movement that spawned from Peter Singer's ideas ideas about best ways to make impact with your resources and figuring out ways to quantify the way in which you could maximize how much of a person's suffering you reduce through strategic contributions should we donate to a charity that restores vision or a charity that Streets tapeworms or a charity that fights malaria, right? The infrastructure for that I, I like to think of as like the core infrastructure of the effective altruist movement that is philanthropic. There's a lot of like groups uh, there's a lot of, that, there's a lot of groups that channel people from schools into organizations, a lot of organizations that are connected to other bodies, whether they're the governmental bodies or nonprofit bodies, right? So there's like a whole, in, you know, interstitial body there. And then on top of that, you have the second wave of effective altruism that comes in with Mac- William McCaskill. And you have them starting to make arguments that there's certain causes that, of course, will, benefit and make larger improvements on people's lives, but then they should be doing other things, like people should be getting into professions where they can earn as much money as possible to give. Uh, and and that effective altruism demands that you make as much money as possible, usually in fields that are highly you know, compensatory, so investment banking, for example, and ignore political consequences or social consequences or you know inequities that come out of that because you're going to be helping more lives with your dollars by pouring them into these places. And then also another transformation emerging with this idea that well it's also not it's, we, it's it's insufficient for us to just look at the the people we can donate to who are alive right now because more people will be alive in the future than have ever been alive now and so we have an obligation to ensure that what we do today causes we support today money and resources we allocate today goes towards ensuring that, one, there's as many people as possible in the future, and two, they have the best possible um, amount of enjoyment and least amount of suffering that we can achieve uh, knowing what we do and having what we have today. Um, And if that means you prioritize that over today, then you do that. Um, and that and so that leads both to the divergence and the convergence of EA and long-termism. And so for those reasons, I think even with the bad press from FTX and the commentaries, um, this is not enough. this is really not enough to, um, you know, even even with the bad press that comes in from EA, even with the bad uh, in EA and long termism being so intimately involved with Sam Bankman Fried and William McCaskill and the scandals and the and the leaks and the reporting that have come out on like you know noxious culture, uh, weird political values, uh, you know allegations of the sex cult, uh, and also of course the deep fraud perpetuated by Sam Bankman Fried and and FTX. Um, It's not going to be enough to undermine the ideological underpinning because it's just like so spread throughout these people. I mean, these people believe in it and it's so intimately linked to and nestled on top of nicely the bundle of test roll that we've gone through already, right? All these ideas have spread, you know, embedded themselves within the ideological, you know, underpinnings of Silicon Valley, of the tech industry, of technologists, of tech commentary, um, of science fiction, of a lot of the, of, of, you know, futurists, of, opt- of techno-optimists and utopians, of uh, technocrats, so on and so forth, like a long list of people who think technology is, the, is my wheelbarrow. You know, it's my wheelhouse. It's the thing that I focus on. And they're more or less influenced by Um, And so I don't think EA and long-termism are going anywhere. I think, like, maybe with EA you might see a return to basics, but there's so much money involved that I can't imagine it suddenly disappearing overnight. And not only is there so much money involved, but there's also, like, it's also money that is sm- it, There's. it's a lot of money relatively, but it's a small enough slice that it's not really an easy lever to shut off. You know, there's a lot of big personalities who have fortunes they throw behind it. And there's a lot of philanthropic endeavors that it's connected to that it just does well, right? You know, mm-hmm. that it has been able to do well in that earlier wave of EA. And so that money's not going anywhere. The ideological thing is the thing to be waged war on. And I think that can be displaced, but it's going to be hard because it's like, you know these these people know each other, are friends with each other, build with each other, work with each other, enrich one another. Um, it's a big club, and we ain't in it. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and more influential, um, and and places more importance in itself and self selects for itself, right? So it's something that this has to be fought by, like getting the public to be as anathema to it as possible. While also undermining the ability for them to like get their hooks and talents into uh, the ability to drive tech and its development, Mm. right? Uh, Because that's really the only way you you, you combat such like an insidious and private and like weirdly anti-human group.
0: Yeah. And, and you explaining on that made me also realize, like, of course, I mean, all this is linked as well to, uh, the existential risk of AI discourse. Right. right, like, right. It comes out of that, right? Like Nick Bostrom and the future of humanity Institute at Oxford. Like, that's the birthplace of. Uh, EA and long-termism, but also the existential risk aspects uh, of AI. I also just remembered as well, I think it was, was, it was Nick Bostrom, it came up with that, uh, the Fable of the Dragon or what, whatever, which is an extropianism uh, kind of you know meme, uh, basically a short story. I remember for a very long time, uh, Vitalik Buterin's Twitter bio was just a link to the the fable of the dragon you know this uh this short story about like you know the the moral imperative to live forever um and devote all science and technology uh and resources towards that right so like yeah you are you are you are dead on here uh like all these things are intimately linked together i mean that's why this is that's that's why i think uh, Timnit and Emil were very smart and kind of joining all this together into an acronym um, to show that like these are not separate kind of things that are existing side by side, but they are instead um, components of one theology. Uh, you know that they they you know they are books of the uh the tesseral bible um if you will you know and uh, uh like they are intimately linked with each other in that way and so but yeah i, I mean i think you're right you you uh a- answered my question well um in making me realize like of course no like it hasn't gone away it hasn't even gone underground it's just changed its coat you know it's uh it's now banging the drum about existential risk um, rather than banging the drum about uh, why cryptocurrency is good. You know, like it's just, it's just changing what, what, uh, uh, changing, changing what mask it's wearing, but ultimately it's the same fucking thing underneath. Right.
1: Yeah. At the end of the day. Right. I mean, is an ideology is an ideology that will push cryptocurrency, but in a way where. Kind of overlooks the libertarian project, the liberatory one. No, and, it, and that's because it's not overlooking the libertarian project. It's and it, you know, it's liberatory for corporations and for capital and for private, you know, uh, absolute structures we call corporations. But um, it's not liberatory for human beings. You know, we who already lack the basic coordination infrastructure to like have any control over local life, let alone. Uh, Up against massive leviathans of capital, also like with wielded with what a blockchain? Come on, you know. So I think you know these people are not serious about improving humanity, and they don't really care about it. They're concerned with this post-human race, which they also think they'll be a part of by hastening its arrival, Uh, and they won't, of course, because. You know, let's say this post-humanity emerges, it is unlikely that you or I, or our children, or their children, or their grandchildren, going to be part of that You know, species, right? And we're talking about, one, understanding and unfolding a lot of the mysteries we still have about how human minds work and cognition works, right? And biology, right, because we still don't have uh, 100% grasp on how... All of our biological systems work, Um, figuring out all of that, figuring out how to replicate it, figuring out how to augment it, figuring out how to augment it without collapsing or undermining or destroying or disintegrating any of our other faculties and any other part of our minds. So, figuring out how to scale it, figuring out how to augment it, figuring out how to stabilize it, figuring out how to replicate it, right? All things that we are, you know, that are also iterative steps so far removed. From what we should even be talking about when we don't even really have a good sense of like what the structure even looks like, you know, or what even the best way to create a metaphor about the structure is. And we have people like the chiefs, AI scientists at Meta being like, well, actually, so you take a lizard and then you put a rabbit on top of it and you put an (laughs) elephant on top of it then you put another lizard on top of it and then you put a monkey on top of it and then you put a little man and that's your mind. No, it's not. And if, those, if that's what people think your mind is, they're just going to make an alien mind, right, and, and wonder and create the future that they're worried about because they'll create some sort of mind if they even know how to make a mind, right? In whatever scenario they imagine, you'd make a mind that has no resemblance to how an actual cognitive system, much less a human one, works, right? So it's just like, it's just science fiction. Right? It's science fiction. It's role-playing. It's a renaissance fair, but with fucking lasers and computer screens and binary for these people. But to say otherwise betrays such a deep ignorance. Right? We we are... Heretics! If we say that there's no way any of this is going to happen, we don't understand it. We don't have we don't understand the advancements in research and telomeres. Or oh, you're still talking about telomeres. telomeres that's so far behind. We're talking about neuroaugmentation. We're talking about biohacking. We're talking about you know um, you know fucking with you, fucking with your neurons themselves, man. We're talking about uh, you know uploading your mind. We're talking about hardening your 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 metabolism or various metabolic system. You know. We're we're talking about all these other things. We're talking about remote control, right? And decentralized cognition, and we're talking about computational substrates and thinking matter that is outside of your brain, blah, blah, blah. It's science fiction. It's not happening. All of this is, at the end of the day, the best way to understand test bundle ideologies is a bunch of children who are playing around with a bunch of things that they don't really understand. Um, and some of them do, but the things that they don't really understand and that some of them do are really just tools sharpened really well, finely honed for the act of hurting other human beings and corralling them into positions where they get exploited by other people to enrich themselves, right? How do you know all these ideologies serve a core purpose, which is convincing or organizing humans to give up autonomy, Resources, agency for the sake of some future thing, giving it a human mask and, or giving it an alien uh, AI mask and saying we're building God or we're building better humans. But in reality, we're just making money and giving it to ourselves, making generating power and giving it to ourselves, you know, fortifying privilege and giving it to ourselves, dispossessing you and enriching ourselves. That's, at the end of the day, the Tesoro bundle is just a really, like, an even more pessimistic looting of a sinking ship, right? An even more bold-faced one. And it doesn't matter how many fucking times they reference this or that scientific theory, this or that bullshit, woo-woo, mystical, juju nonsense. It's just that. That, that. that.
0: Ed, I hear you, and that was an all-star uh, classic rant. I mean, that will go into um, the the TMK Hall of Fame for sure. Right, right, and I hear, right. I hear you, I hear right, you. Right, right. But, but. but, you know how the crypto folks used to say, "Have fun being poor." I'm yeah. over here saying, "Have fun being human." Yeah. Because uh, heaven, heaven ain't yeah. a place on earth, but it's a yeah. place in space. And I'm yeah. jumping on my rocket and I'm going there. I right? want Jeremy so and,
1: bad to just cut in the rants from JoJo, where there's this priest ranting about humanity and uh, and fate and gravity and like it just it sounds as sensible as anybody who believes in these tesseract ideas, right? I'm gonna after this show, I'll send you some of this stuff, Jason, because it's <laughs> the, you'll hear it and you'll be you like, this is, it this, to is me.
0: this is just theological <laughs> singularitarianism. I need it. I need it. Well, that, that was so, that was so fucking good, Ed. Um, but also, uh, yeah, I mean, have fun being human. And, uh, uh if any TMK listeners want to go to heaven, um, with us, then, uh, you can get on our rocket and you can find that rocket over at patreon.com. Oh, wait. This is a Patreon episode. Well, you, you congratulations. You are. Going to heaven. <laughs> well, just just uh, uh, the the T in T M K that stands for theology. Uh, <laughs> That's right. All right, man. What a what a fucking uh, that was great. All right. Well, I I, I got there's that. There is nowhere to go from there um, but down. So that's the perfect end for this episode. So thank you all for listening. Um and thank you for subscribing and welcome aboard um to the uh the 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 rocket to heaven. We will find it. We will venture out into space, we will find heaven, we will find God sitting on his throne. And we will dethrone him. We will take that throne. Um, and, and, uh, uh, and, and we will take that for ourselves. Um, we will face God and trip into hell. We're going to do it. <laughs> uh, and we will do that on uh, the TMK feed. So, until next time, uh, until the uh, uh, eschaton is amanitized, we will see you later. Uh, adio- oh, wait, did I almost just say adios? Who am I? <laughs> Adios.
1: <laughs> you dead. dead, dead.